0: Welcome in, everybody. Another episode of the Creighton Volleyball Wrap-Up Podcast. I'm Matt DeRainis, joined as always by Megan Ballinger. Uh, We're here to break down Creighton's uh, one and one weekend out on the East Coast. They lost in five sets at UConn on Saturday, turned around Sunday afternoon, um, beat Providence in three sets to come home one and one it puts them at 18-3 and three overall, 6-2 and two in the Big East. Kind of creates a little bit of a logjam now in that uh, there's about three or four teams here sitting within a loss or two of each other in the standings. So it's it a, a rare year where the Big East is super competitive through eight, ten matches or so. So it creates an interesting scenario going forward. But, uh, yeah, we're here to break down both those matches. We'll look ahead to the next weekend where Creighton will be at home. Against Georgetown and Villanova, um, so yeah, let's get started with uh, the five setter against the Huskies. First time, first time the Jays have traveled to stores since the, I guess ever really, but for UConn being back in the Big East, um, the Jays drop a five setter first set. I, the first two sets were really weird, weren't they, Megan? Like felt like the the, team, right. that, the team that jumped out with a you know with a hot start built a pretty comfortable, I would say is fair early lead. And neither of them were able to hold up to it. It's, it was kind of strange the way it worked out like that. Normally I think you would see a, that scenario play out with a team that's maybe not as talented or not as good would build an early lead. And then the team that's better just kind of gets it together and figures it out and comes back. But this one was very strange because it, it flipped in, in, both directions. Creighton had a big lead in set one, just got blitzed um, the rest of the way, and then UConn had a comfortable lead in set two, and then Creighton took over for a comfortable win that too. So, how do you how do you process those first two sets because they were so strange in that regard, and then each team kind of came out one and one for some somehow somehow I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, at that point after those first few sets, I mean, it's really kind of you know whoever shows up in that individual set and you almost start from ground zero in the third set, right? I mean, you're you're one and one. You're like, okay, this we have to think about this as a new match. And there's a lot of work to be done still in a match after those first two sets, especially after you split. So honestly, it just has to be like a new game and you kind of have to reevaluate and put yourself in that position of being aggressive and, you know, just playing really clean from the start of set three. So luckily Creighton came out and won that third set, but I thought still it was a close, close set, almost you know all the way down to the wire. Yeah. Um, so,
0: yeah. When you look at game one, two, it, it felt like, you know, Creighton scored in so many different ways to start. It was, I think, it was a nine to two lead they built up early. And I think, you know, they scored in, they scored from the left side, they scored from the right side, they scored out of system, in system, they scored from the service line, um, they even had a. a, a an overpass by Nora that found the back corner, like one of those lucky dig kills that you get once in a blue moon. She actually had two of those in this match, um, and then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened to UConn. They didn't. I don't even think they called a timeout to make it happen, but something flipped because they were really aggressive. I mean, they're blocking at the net, they're serving, uh, they're they were taking aggressive swings. You know, I I didn't feel like that was a set where Creighton lost. I felt like UConn played really well um, and maybe caught Creighton on their heels a little bit after the early start. Like maybe Creighton got a little comfortable, a little complacent. And then when UConn turned up the intensity, it was kind of hard to match because Creighton felt like maybe uh, they were going to fold up a little bit, do you think?
1: Yeah, I think so. That's the thing really that stuck out to me. UConn, I thought, just played more aggressive than Creighton a lot of points in this match. And I think that's why they ultimately won um in that fifth set but yeah I think Creighton kind of was a little bit flat sometimes and I mean you kind of saw those errors carry through a lot of those sets I mean tons and tons of errors more errors than you'd want to see as a coach so um yeah you know I just thought they couldn't really match their intensity for whatever reason and UConn kind of just was able to get out on top and control um the match at
0: times. Yeah. The first set was really high error for Creighton. You know, they had 11 attackers and then they had four of their nine, four of their nine service errors in the match were in set one as well. So that's 15, 15 points you're giving Yukon right there in some fashion. And you only score 17 yourself. You're doing, you know, you're kind of combating yourself in that regard. When you look at the type of errors they were making, were they errors of aggression that you can live with or were they errors of, um, you know, maybe if you don't take a full swing here, this is what's going to happen.
1: You know, I thought at times they were a little bit timid. I thought some balls, like, they would tip rather than hit, and I just Mm. thought, you know, normally you wouldn't see that out of Creighton. Usually they're swinging away and trying to get those kills, you know, and get a kill and have the point be done with. Um, But, you know, I thought it was a mixture of both. I thought at times they were aggressive, and other times they were just a little bit timid. And I think you really just have to be consistently aggressive and be smart at the same time, but – I mean, if you kind of take your foot off the gas a little bit, teams can creep up on you, and I think you saw that happen.
0: Yeah, it was really. It, you're right. It was really strange the way the aggression switched. You know, that's what usually with a team that goes up, you know, nine to two like that, especially with the way volleyball is, like that set would almost become like damage control for the team that's in the, in the hole, right? You just want to kind of get into a rhythm, uh, maybe play point for point. Go on, maybe a serving run or two, and build some momentum for set two when it resets at zero. Yeah. UConn just, yeah, I mean, it, it was crazy the way they just turned the whole set around. Because what was it, you know, where it ended up being 23 to eight down the stretch if you take the nine to two and subtract it. So that's, that's two really dominant games within the game kind of thing. And it was really surprising the way mm-hmm. when UConn turned up the intensity and started, you know, swinging away aggressively that Creighton didn't ever match that the rest of the set considering how they started you know when you have a seven point lead you have some errors to give some margin of error there so you figure you can take some take some aggressive swings and make some mistakes and live with it but it just felt like like you said that that they just got a little bit timid and never were able to dig out of the dig out of the rut you know
1: yeah I agree I mean sometimes I think maybe it's a little bit hard from from Creighton's standpoint I mean you're up nine too and you're like okay you know this team is just not good i mean you know this team's just really not putting any pressure on us sometimes you can get complacent if you get that big of a lead to start a match especially you're you're just rolling and you're like okay maybe you inadvertently you know take your foot off the pedal a little bit and just kind of relax and i mean you really need to keep pushing i think that's you know when you're in those sets you really have to be like okay we need to take care of our side like we need to finish we need to finish strong and I didn't think they did that really well. So it was interesting just kind of to see the back and forth and see UConn push and Creighton. I didn't really think push back
0: too much. You talk a lot about the blocking being kind of connected to the serving game. And it did feel like UConn was really aggressive from the service line. Was that why you think um, they were able to have such so much success at the net? Because it seemed like they were putting up a, you know, a pretty stiff block, you know, against Creighton's best hitters most of the time. Was it, was it dictated from their serving, do you think, and their their aggression and their efficiency from behind the line? Or were, were they – they surprise you at the net more so than just the way it connected to the serve?
1: You know, I thought they did serve well. And I'm sure from their coach's standpoint, they're like, we need to out-serve and pass creating otherwise. You know, we don't really have a chance to win. I think, mm. you know, a lot of times going into it, like, if you serve well and get the teams out of system, you have a really good chance. And I also thought they blocked well. I mean – Their serving did lead to good blocking, but I thought they were still set up well and in good positions and, you know, made moves when they had to, um, to get good touches or just to get good stuff blocks. Um, Yes, it was an interesting kind of swing of things because Creighton typically in most of their matches, you know, had been the dominant blocking team. And in this game, they they really weren't. UConn outblocked them and you can see that in the numbers. Um, So just an interesting kind of uh, turn of events, I think, for Creighton and. You know, they're not really used to seeing, you know, their hitters get blocked that much either. Right, right. So just an interesting interesting look.
0: It was, yeah, it was interesting to see how UConn matched them physically. That's not usually something that um, the Jays run into in conference play, aside from, you know, a team or two here. They're usually the the more physical uh, team than most of the teams in this league. You know, set three was interesting, too, because it kind of reminded me a little bit, of that St. John's match on the road where set three was kind of like the swing, right? Whoever, mm-hmm. whoever won that you felt like was going to be in control and have a pretty good chance to, to finish it off based on, you know, the momentum of what it took to win that third game. So when Creighton won set three, what were you thinking? Cause I felt like I was thinking that that's, you know, they had kind of recovered from whatever whatever UConn did to them in set one to change that thing so dramatically, the way that Creighton won set two in reverse fashion and then set three on top of it out of intermission, you know, I, I feel like Creighton doesn't drop matches like that very often. Once they, once they make the adjustment, once they pick themselves up, up off the deck, and then once they come out of intermission and then get the first one, that feels like it's a wrap almost most of the time, right? I think they had some crazy streak, too, where it usually is when they win that set three maybe a hundred and something matches in a row in Biggie's play. Um, so it was quite surprising to see UConn recover from that. Didn't you think?
1: Yeah. You know, and I think Creighton never trailed in that third set either. So I think you kind of see that. And I wouldn't say Creighton completely dominated that third set. Right. Um, they let UConn, you know, kind of get back in it and get close, but you know, they never got on top. Um, so from that same point, yeah, I was like, okay, this is probably a wrap. Um hopefully a wrap and win the third set and they had good momentum going into that fourth set. So I really thought they'd kind of get out to a, a big start and then, you know, kind of just finish it up, wrap it up, get on the plane, you know? Um, So yeah, I don't know. An interesting transition I thought from the third set to the fourth set um, and where the fourth set was just very back and forth again. Um, So yeah, I don't know. This match was just an interesting one. Like each set, you know, was just different
0: yeah, That's yeah, I mean, the you're fun
1: right. part of
0: volleyball, I guess. <laughs> no, it's like what you say all the time. You know, vo- volleyball is that weird sport because you can sustain as much momentum as you want, but once you hit twenty-five or whatever it takes to finish the set, the scoreboard resets to zero, and you got to do it all over again. You got to find the new mojo. You got to find the new energy. You got to find the new rhythm. Um, the the one thing that that it, I don't know how much of a factor. I can't really tell how much of a factor it was, but it, I can't imagine it was nothing, right? When when uh, Abby Bottomley, uh, I think she collided with Kendra Wade. It was midway through set three. And I think it was around, I think Creighton was up 11-8 when it happened, if I'm not mistaken. So they the Jays did have to play, you know, quite a bit without her to finish that third set and win it still. So maybe it wasn't um, top of mind going into game four and game five but I can't imagine not having your, your, one of the best liberos, you know, from a, from a statistical standpoint in division one volleyball history, like 2,500 digs um, that she surpassed that day. I I can't imagine that had no fact that was no factor, right. That had some kind of um, say in how that thing went, don't you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think when you lose somebody that's out there consistently um, in leading that back row and also, really responsible for a lot of secondary setting um that can change things a little bit luckily I mean Ellie Bolton has experience at that position uh, because she played it last year so you know I thought she came in and did a really nice job um but yeah a little bit different especially when you kind of get used to your lineups um Mm -hmm. this year and everything I'm sure a little bit of a different look and you know maybe at first kind of was questionable for people playing next to her just kind of knowing like the feel of where she's going to be and that sort of thing but um, ultimately, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe it affected them for, you know, a few points, just getting used to it. But I think overall, you know, I don't think it really was a crazy change.
0: Yeah. Plus Abby's one of the better servers on the team too. So that's a different factor too, in terms of, can we get you kind of the system consistently? What rotations are we effective in now? Yeah. It, it changes a lot of the things on the court. Um, you're right that Ellie does have um, a lot of experience at that lead role position, um, especially after last year. Or she played pretty well down the stretch of the season uh, last spring. Um, I, yeah, it's just it, I don't know how much of a factor it had, but I can't imagine it was nothing because you know she's your she's your defensive anchor back there, and she's really disrupted from the service line. So the one the one thing is that is really disappointing from this match is, and it kind of like speaks to the sport as a whole. Just for some reason, not everybody's fully on board yet. No instant replay. It's 2021. How do we how do we find ourselves in matches where there's no way to make sure we make the right call or not? And, it, and the, the one that I go back to that I think it changed who won this match, honestly, was UConn serving. They were up 11-10, and they served one that, you know, I think Jayla was back there, let it go, was convinced it was long. And you don't usually see this, and it's what makes me think that it was definitely long as Creighton's entire bench like rose up and signaled that it was out. You usually don't see everyone in unison do that. Usually it's like one person will see it. They'll confirm it to Kirsten. Kirsten will ask someone who had a better angle at it. And then you'll have your, your, uh, your challenge. Right. But everybody on the bench was just like, that's out. They all jumped up and said it. And you know, that. Because you don't have instant replay in the gym, it's 12-10 UConn. They're still serving instead of it being 11-11 with Creighton going behind the line. I mean, that stuff matters, right? I mean, seriously.
1: Yeah, it does. And, man, you wish you had it at that point, obviously. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I mean, you can't overturn it. So, that's the hard part about it. And, I mean, that's how it was when I was, you know, younger in my younger days at Creighton, too. I mean, we didn't have it either, so. Man, yeah, you just kind of roll with the punches, I guess, and hopefully you get the next point.
0: Yeah. I mean, just, it, it stings a lot because in a set to 15, that's, that's kind of where it's end game for set five. That 11, 10 serve is pretty big. Whether they get the ace off oh, yeah. or whether it's a an error, that's, I mean, you're swinging them, you're swinging the match at that point. Um, not to mention the other calls you might have missed throughout the match. I mean, there's no excuse for there not to be replayed in a gym. There just isn't. Yeah, technology is there, you know, it doesn't make sense. So I, I honestly, I'm not trying to take credit away from UConn. because I thought they played really well. Like I said, I thought they were the aggressor most of the day, uh, you know, Kaylee Parker and Jasmine Davis, you know, their left side pins, their six rotation players had really good days. Um, so you, 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 I give, you know, there's a lot of credit credit to UConn for the way they played the way they matched Creighton's intensity after the early start. Um, and, and, put the foot on the gas and took it to the jays but there's also a lot of points in this match that you just feel like wow you wish you could look at that one again because who knows what you're talking about it's just the momentum swings in this sport are crazy you can't not have replay you just can't it's one of the <laughs> sports i think is dependent on it honestly because you can change a match
1: yeah i think it is now i mean too and I mean, just support your volleyball partners, you know, like it's not that difficult, (laughs) help them out, you know, just raise the level of the sport all around. And I think Mm -hmm. hopefully, you know, teams will get there here in the near future.
0: Yeah. So uh, leaving this one, there was obviously, um, you know, a couple of questions, how is Creighton going to respond? Will they be able to, you know, um, recover without Abby Bottomley, if she doesn't play on Sunday, so, the, but they actually got a couple of different curveballs for the Sunday match. Mm-hmm. So, Abby ended up playing. So, she was fine um, or well enough to play, I guess is the best way to say it. But Jayla Zimmerman and Anika Welty were not available. So, um, and, and for people who are wondering, there's no word yet on what their status going forward is. So, uh, well, I guess we'll just have to see um, next weekend whether they're available for Georgetown and Villanova. But they were not available for this match. So, it was, but but there's something to take away from this that I think you and I have been wondering about, right? Because who played really well today?
1: The Middles. Yeah. I love to see it.
0: Yeah. And Naomi Hickman, right. They both, I mean, that, this was the best match for the Middles probably all season, honestly, for two of them. You know, they, I think they hit 375 in set one, 467 in set two, and then 500 in set three. So they were in a sustained rhythm. Um, throughout the match today or uh Sunday whenever you're listening to this uh, what did you feel like got them going today was it just opportunities or was there something that clicked on that right side
1: I think there was a concerted effort to get them involved really? you know and I think at times they're, they're really like in their game against UConn I didn't think they got the amount of attempts they should have you know I thought they were really outside heavy um In that Yukon match, and I think you kind of have to go back and reassess like what are areas that we can kind of diversify our attack and make Mm -hmm. our opponent guess more. So, I mean, I thought there was an effort there to get them involved. And then I also thought, I mean, it was executed well, you know, most of the time. So, I thought they ran the slide really well. Um, I thought there was a lot more power behind the slide than I think I had seen. Um, which just means, you know, a lot of times there's a better connection um, and just kind of a feel for where the setters put in the ball. So mm-hmm. I thought it was good just to see some good, powerful swings from the middles, um, as opposed to I thought at times this season so far, a lot of it would be kind of just like a tip or it wouldn't quite have that connection. So you do have to throw over a ball kind of erratically. Um, so I just thought it was good to kind of see, you know, the transfer of a really good approach and a powerful swing from the
0: middles. Yeah. So just to compare the UConn match, you know, and, and, and I'll throw Kendra's attacks in here, too, because normally when she when she dumps, she's in the middle of the net. So I think it's all kind of where that offense is coming from. So going back to the UConn match, I remember UConn was five sets. So between Annika, Kendra, and Naomi, the three, um, you know, the middle portion of that attack, they had 39, 39 total attacks between the three of them. Um, in five sets against Mm -hmm. Providence, they had 50. So I think you're, you're right on that. That's more of just a concerted, a deliberate effort to get them involved. Right. When you have more attacks in a three setter than you had in a five setter, that's strategy, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, going back, I'm sure Kirsten, I mean, looks at the numbers obviously, and kind of sees where that distribution is at and, I just think you have to get your middles involved. It's just it helps you so much, and it helps your outside hitters, your right side hitters so much, and just the diverse fire attack. It's just it's essential, um, you know. And so to kind of have it balanced more, I thought their attack was really balanced in this match against Providence. Is exactly what you're looking for from an offensive standpoint.
0: Why why is it why is it going to be important for Creighton to get to to establish that middle attack? Not only just the match against Providence, you know, because you figure like okay. Honestly, most of it was right side, wasn't it? There wasn't a whole lot of quick sets. There wasn't a whole lot of ones being run. So not a, while it was Kiana and Naomi doing damage, they weren't doing damage from the middle of the net still. So why is that going to be important for Creighton to sustain that consistently and get it going to where those hitters are all in a rhythm going forward um, this last month of the season before the NCAA tournament? Um you know, just what is that? What does going unlock with the offense if they're able to, to get, you know, Kiana, Naomi, Annika into a rhythm going down the stretch here?
1: Yeah, I think you see it. Creighton. I mean, typically doesn't have two good slide hitters, or at least they didn't the entire time I was there. and I didn't run slides either. So, um, so um, I don't know. It'll just, it'll really open it up because, I mean, when you have a hitter chasing the ball out there on a the slide and, Then you have an outside and you have kendra in the middle your offense becomes so spread when you're going pin to pin that the opposing middle blocker is either stuck in the middle or they have to you know hedge their bets going outside going right side Mm -hmm. and if you have a good slide hitter hitting with some pace i mean it's going to make it hard if there's not a second blocker there it's going to make it really hard for the opposing team's defense So I think it'll just open things up and it'll really make the other team's blockers just kind of question where to go. And that's when you get holes in blocks. That's when you can run your, you know, middle back on a pipe or a big. I mean, that's when the setter can hopefully have no blocker on her and just dump with some power. So it just really diversifies what you can do and makes it hard on the defense and the blockers on the other side of the
0: net. And then when you look at their hitting percentages too, they were efficient. They were low error. That's usually what you see out of your out of your middle attackers when when the distribution is like that, right? If you're getting them the balls in the right time and you're making the right reads, they should terminate at a high level, shouldn't they? I mean, when you look at Kiana at 360 and Naomi at 562, that's something you usually can count on from Naomi if she gets 16 swings against a single block. You know, she can terminate. you know, she'll have matches where she'll hit 400, 380. You know well, she'll go climb north of four or five hundred. That hasn't been like that this season. You know when you look at what they're de- what they're hitting so far. You know Naomi's at two sixty two for the season. Kiana's at two fifty nine, and Annika's at two ten. You know when you as far as when you look at what if you're assessing Creighton twenty one matches into the season, that's an that's an area you highlight saying the efficiency with the middle attack whether it's from the center connection to the hitters whether it's from, like, you've been talking about just making a deliberate attempt to diversify your distribution in that regard. It's important that you get them, you know, that you, that you get them good, good balls to hit with a single block at times, right?
1: Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's part of what makes setting hard, right? Yeah. I mean, deciding when to hit those middles in transition or in serve receive, when to go to the outside, when to hit the back row, I mean, and really just getting a feel for what the blockers on the other side are doing. And that's the puzzle part of being a setter that makes it really difficult, but also really fun. Um, But yeah, I thought, I mean, Kendra obviously just by these numbers. I think you can just tell, I mean, she hit the middles at good times when they had openings to get kills. And I mean, that's what you want to see. And then she distributed well to the outside too. So it's just a really well-balanced attack. I think probably the most well-balanced they've been the entire season. So, I mean, I think prior to this, if you're scouting Crayon, I mean, who are you going to key on? They're outsides, right? I mean, the the middles aren't going to be that much of a worry to you as a blocker. So I think now, like, you look at this match and the teams next weekend that they play, I mean, they're going to have to kind of reassess what they're going to do from a scouting standpoint, right? They're like, okay, like, they can hit their middles and their middles can be really effective, so – it makes it difficult from a scouting standpoint um, when you're kind of looking at who to key on um, and then Jayla didn't even play in this match either. So it's kind of, you know, just a very different look um, from a scouting standpoint. So Crane has weapons and I think teams, you know, need to realize that And if Crane can consistently use their weapons, it's, it's going to be really good for them.
0: Yeah. And then, yeah, you mentioned not having Jayla. Nora, so obviously Nora got a lot of back row swings, right? So that's just part of what she does as a six rotation. But when you break it down, and let's take Kendra out of it, right? Let's just say, you know, the setter um, attempts are kind of be going to be too fickle to put a number on. But Abby Milner was the, you know, the other middle right side that played for Annika the day as Kiana stepped up into the lineup. So when you break down Nora and Keeley on the left side and the back row, that middle back, that's fifty-five attacks. And then when you look at Keon and Naomi and Abby, you know that's forty-eight. That's a pretty good balance right there. That means maybe you don't always expect it to be that balanced, right? But you know, forty-eight from attacks from the middle—that's probably high for a three-setter. But it's you know. That's not gonna hurt them going forward. The more swings they get now, the more confidence they're gonna get in their connection with each other. And it's gonna pay off down the down the, you know, in the Big East tournament, in the n tournament. Um, that's kind of what you're building for right now a little bit with these types of matches, yeah. Is getting some confidence and injected into these hitters that maybe don't have it yet. When you I mean, I can't imagine a middle is feeling confident when they're hitting two sixty through a twenty-one match stretch, are they? What would you what would how would you be feeling?
1: No. I mean, I don't think so. And I think a lot of it, I mean, you're not really sure what set you're going to get. I think it's kind of the issue you're seeing. I mean, from just the setter connection, I think at times, you know, Naomi will be jumping and she's like, I don't know, you know, is it going to be tight? Is it going to be back here? Is it going to be pushed over? Like, there's just been a little bit of like inconsistency with placement. So from that standpoint, it makes her job really hard because she's not, you know, she has such a short window to hit a ball to on a lot of these attempts so it's kind of like hopefully we can get it over the net at times you know if there's a bad connection so you know just getting that nailed down of knowing like the setter's gonna put it here like consistently at least most of the time um can really give her confidence to you know swing hard and kind of be creative with her attacks too um but yeah hopefully that continues and you kind of see that connection almost seamless or you don't even question it which would be really great for the middles and just you know the overall team just seeing those Connections, you really like fluid with everybody.
0: Yeah, I think, and then another the thing is, I think confidence is going to be something to watch with this team going forward, because this weekend was a little interesting in 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 that one regard. It felt like Creighton didn't have that normal resilient response to getting punched, and I don't know. And I know that's hard to quantify. It's hard to see when you're watching it on you know a live stream. Um, it just felt like there were moments in the UConn and Providence match both where, where both of those, where the Huskies and Friars got on sustained, um, sustained runs where they felt like they were controlling, you know, the terms of engagement, you know what I mean? And that's normally, Creighton normally responds quicker than that, I think. And, you know, and certainly their best teams have been able to, to bounce back from point to point um, as quickly as possible. I'm, I'm curious to see what, uh, what this team looks like in terms of their confidence level going forward, because they have gotten popped a little bit here. You normally don't see Creighton in this type of battle this often. Um, And normally when they are in that type of situation, they can respond to it. Um, I think it's a good thing that they won on Sunday and didn't lose on Sunday uh, because then you don't have a week to think about it, right? So at least you're coming back to Omaha feeling good about what you did in terms of the win-loss result. But are you looking for – you know, how the team is just from a, if you're trying to assess their, their mindset, their confidence level, are you looking for that at all or do you feel like they're in a good spot based on what you've seen? Am I overreacting to it?
1: <laughs> um, You know, I don't know. They've played some interesting just kind of back and forth matches this year and, you know, to see them lose to UConn and in that tight fifth set, I think, I mean, you'd hope that they'd come out on top. I mean, You never know, maybe this is a good learning moment and down the road, they'll be in a a tough five-setter and kind of learn how to string those points together when they're really critical. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's no reason to overreact. Obviously, it's one match and Mm -hmm. in the scheme of things, it's not a huge deal. So you kind of just got to get back on and get better. And I think this match today was... Was a better all-around match as a team, so I think that's really good to see. And just to have a whole team performance, I think that's really important. And just kind of seeing them win in a way that's different, and just to see this distribution, um, is a really good is a really good sign. And hopefully, they can continue that on in these next matches.
0: Yeah, it's just it's one of those things where you I I, I look to the set three or the set four against UConn. You know, normal, like I said, normally after. Creighton recovers from set one, wins two, wins three. It normally feels like that's 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 a wrap, like we talked about earlier. And you know, Kirsten, uh, you know, Coach Booth mentioned this weekend that she just sees the confidence waver a little bit. And you, it's not surprising because you do have a lot of young pieces in important spots. Not and, and even throw Abby into that. Abby's got experience, but she doesn't have experience on this team or in this. Um, you know, for the non-conference portion of the schedule against that type of competition week after week, right? So there's a little bit of a learning curve there. And then Nora and Kendra, from a confidence standpoint, we're not totally sure how they handle adversity yet because they haven't faced a whole lot of it. You know, when you're 18 and three and winning freshman of the week every week, that's like, that's 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 feeling good about yourself, yeah? But what happens yeah. when a team is like yeah. peeing on you What happens when you're not terminating balls that you normally put down? You know, what happens when it's just, it's not going according to plan? How do you respond? And I I think that's just something to watch going forward because it feels like there's a lot of young players on this team in important spots um, that will have to learn the hard way in that regard. It's just how you build it. It's part of their development. It's a different level of volleyball than they're used to playing. Um, So for two freshmen to be in that important of a role, their confidence is as important as anything from there even more important than maybe their technique at this point, because they know what shots they can hit. They know um, where their bread is buttered at this point. It's all about if they have the confidence to put the ball down when it's time to put the ball down. Right.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think, I mean, you have people too that maybe aren't super experienced like Kiana Schmidt, who played really well today. I mean, you know, wasn't really in that starting lineup consistently and doesn't really have, you know, that consistent experience. So. Yeah, just a lot of moving pieces and, you know, with some of the injuries and people not available and right. um, just things, there's a lot going on. And um, yeah, it'll just be interesting to see. Hopefully I can, you know, get people healthy and get people out there playing next to each other consistently and turn in really good performances. Um, so it'll be really fun to see, I think, kind of who steps up and plays well. I mean, today, you know, Kiana was killing it so you know hopefully you know it's somebody else the next week you know i just think for this team it can really be anybody on any given day
0: yeah it'll be interesting to see if they can get jayla back too because i think we both we both feel like jayla is the one player you don't ever have a question about because she can she has that short-term memory that you've talked about a lot is really important for a volleyball player because you're gonna make errors you're gonna get blocked um you're gonna you're gonna fail to terminate a ball that you should feel like you should put down you're gonna miss a serve. You feel like you've hit a hundred times in a row. Um Jayla's one of those kids who can who can settle down pretty quickly in uh and get and you know keep her poised in those situations. So getting her back will be paramount for sure. I, I think that that honestly goes without saying because that's that's not like any hard um groundbreaking analysis. She's the she's the stud on this team for sure. But um it'll be interesting to see how they follow her lead in that regard. Cause I do feel like they're their confidence took a little bit of a hit, um, especially in that UConn match. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how they respond. Uh, they got Villanova and Georgetown this this weekend. Uh, and Megan, you know how tough those two teams can be. You know Georgetown has struggled a lot this year, but they're the one team their their only win is against UConn. So you know I don't think you can have their setter for that match. They weren't one hundred percent, but it just kind of shows you that you know. You you, you you can get got by anybody right now at this point. You know, teams are trying to find their rhythm too. So they got – they're not as worried about you. They're as worried about themselves. So you, and you know how tough that Georgetown match can be. Um, you played a five-setter with them before. And Villanova has beaten Creighton a couple times. They've swept them a couple times. So this isn't one of those weekends where, you know, Creighton can just roll the ball out and, and get confidence. They're going to actually have to bring it, won't they?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, the Big East is super competitive competitive this year, and you've seen that, you know, by the swings of teams. You know, Creighton gets beat, and then the team that beat them loses the next day to a team everyone thinks yeah. they should have beaten. So, yeah. it's just so up and down, and that's really why it's one match at a time, and you have to approach it like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just speaking of these matches, Georgetown, I mean, I played in a nail-biter fifth set match at Georgetown during my career that truly I mean could have gone either way Mm -hmm. um so you just never know I think any team can be good and I mean everybody knows that and you just have to acknowledge it and then Villanova is a team that Creighton has troubles dealing with um honestly a lot of the time so a really emotional team um their coach will have him up I'm sure for the match and he'll be ready to go and have his players ready to go so It'll be fun. It's always fun uh, when Villanova and Creighton match up for sure.
0: Yeah, is there anything tactically Villanova does that you just know this is what they're going to be good at, this is what we have to be prepared for? Because you're right, it has been a really competitive match between those two a lot of times.
1: It's just, you know, it's just a chippy team, a little bit of a chippy coach. Um, So, I don't know. I don't know if it's anything specific. I think, I mean, this Urban Pass game, of course, is paramount. Yeah. Um to any match. It feels but, like it's really I mean,
0: a match between those two, the serve and pass
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think I mean Villanova can serve really aggressively um, at times, you know, when they're really focused on it. So Creighton will have to pass well and serve well um and hopefully get them out of system. But typically Villanova is pretty good at blocking too. Their their middles are involved um, a good amount of the time. Um at Villanova too. So kind of the blocking seems will just, you know, be a little bit difficult and how to track it and play good defense but I think it'll be fun and the emotion usually that Villanova plays with kind of makes it a fun fun match and you'll see like swings of emotion so it's always interesting when they match up that's for sure
0: it'll be interesting to see see Creighton play off the emotion a little bit too they've I mean we talked about the schedule before they kind of got really into it it's insane to see how long they've been on the road like I I mean, they've played two, they've played eight Big East matches so far. Two of them are at home, DePaul and Marquette, that's it. So I'm sure getting in that, they, they, and when you look at the Marquette performance that, you know, there was a lot to like about that from the energy they brought from the execution, you know, the serve and pass game was locked in. The defense was great. Uh, They blocked really well. uh, They scouted really well. Um, You know, I think Creighton's, played really well at home they just haven't had a lot of opportunities to do it so that's probably going to help their confidence too is just getting in their own gym sleeping in their own beds not having to travel uh and then just getting enough feet off their own fans not necessarily someone else's and try to drum up your own drum drum up your own energy um that's going to be a big factor too um and they'll need it they'll need to build confidence because the next road trip after that they're going to milwaukee so they're going to finish up with marquette before november starts here and that might that might, you know, decide who's chasing who for the big east title. But you know, more than that, though, you're right about the big east being really competitive this year. When you look at it, Marquette right now is leading the league. Their only loss is Creighton. So they're at seven mm-hmm. and one. Then Yukon's holding down the two spot via the tiebreaker they just got this weekend. So they're six and two. Creighton is six and two. That DePaul team we talked about that looks much improved. They're five and three. That's the next road trip for Creighton is that Marquette DePaul. So you're talking about two top four teams waiting for you on the other side of it um, in their next road trip. Xavier's five and three, Villanova's four and four, Butler's four and four. And then the St. John's team that beat Creighton is three and five. So, I mean, it's just, it's a crazy competitive league right now. It's it's honestly, if you look at it, Creighton's not even like in one of those like comfortable positions where you even think they're going to make the Big East tournament right now. You know, they kind of have to watch their backs a little bit because there's a lot of teams um, that are gunning for that spot right now. You feel confident based on Creighton's talent level, but you also have seen so far based on the results of league play that anybody can get anybody on a given night if you don't have your best with you.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's It's a fun time to be a volleyball player in the Big East, but at the same time, you know, you, you never know what to expect. So it's just, man. One a time. It's, it's good to see though. It's really good for the sport and to have yeah. really good competitive matches. You know, I think it's overall really good for the league
0: and just for of like, in general. It only serves you well to be in competitive matches, right? Like as much as building confidence with sweeping everybody left and right to be, to, to have to dig deep most nights, that serves you well for postseason play, doesn't it?
1: For sure. I mean, you want to get challenged. I mean, you don't want to just roll a team. I mean, as much as you want to roll a team, yeah. right? It's like you need to be challenged and you have to dig deep and kind of figure it out and work it out. Because, I mean, when it comes time for the Big East tournament and for the NCAA tournament, you're going to be in positions that make you really uncomfortable a lot of the time. So mm-hmm. to have practice and to have to work through that in the regular season, you know, over this next month, it'll be really good for them.
0: Doesn't it also kind of reinforce what you talk about a lot in terms of, how to navigate this grind is making sure you're taking care of your side of the net first as a main priority, because if every team is capable of knocking you off, isn't it it as important as your scout and how you're playing them is more about what's going on on your side of the net. If you're confident, if you're locked in, if you're prepared, if you had good training sessions during the week, um, doesn't that kind of reinforce what you've been saying about how to get through these two months here before? postseason play
1: yeah I think it does I mean you have to look back and I mean every week you don't I mean you don't get to practice that much right during these turns it's just you know you get back you probably have Monday off maybe you don't um and then you really have like three full days of practice because your day before practice is you know more of a walkthrough and that's just the grind of it but yeah you really have to be locked in I mean when you have the chance to go full out and practice those couple days during the week I think you really have to focus and make your side you know as clean as it can be so that when you step on the court for the game you're you're ready to go and you know exactly what to expect on your side you know everything's flowing together you have people in the spots that you know they're going to be in Um, and then you know you kind of throw whatever you have out there and you know the team that you're playing is going to come at you but you're prepared and you can be playing clean on your side you know you just have it all taken care of and you can adjust. I think that's a thing. If you're secure on, you know, what's happening on your side of the court and do it consistently, you'll be good. You know, most of the time yeah. you can take care of most teams that you're going to match up against.
0: Cause yeah, you're right. Cause there is an adjustment part of the match that happens in the match itself. Right. You, tr- you, you figure out hitter tendencies pretty well live more than you do on film. Right. So once you experience it, then you can get a better feel for how your block needs to be set up, where you have to serve, where you're hitting, um, so, yeah, if you, if you take care of yourself first, you can adjust with the rest of it on the fly pretty much. Um, yeah, that'll do it for this week's recap. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. As always, appreciate Megan for bringing the expert analysis in here. Uh, we will talk to you guys next weekend after Creighton uh, finishes up their home weekend at DJ's local Arena. So get out there and check them out. They're playing Georgetown Friday at 630. It's the pink out game for the Jays. And then they get Saturday off, turn around on Sunday, play Nova at 1 o'clock at DJ local Arena before heading out on the road again to face Marquette for the second time and DePaul for the second time. Um, For Megan, I'm Matt. Thank you for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys next week.